Are you ready to perform at your highest potential? Welcome to the Performance Matters Podcast from GP Strategies. In each episode, we'll interview industry experts, exploring best practices and innovative insights to help you and your organization improve performance. I'm your host, Jeremy Shear. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My guest is Murphy Bright, a consultant for GP Strategies. Murphy, it's great to have you on. Thanks so much. I look forward to this and uh, thanks for uh, having me on. Sure. So we're going to get into some really interesting stuff around planning and execution in just a minute. But first, tell us a little bit about your experience in the military and your work today with GP Strategies. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I have about 10 years now in the United States Marine Corps, half of that time being on active duty where it was my full-time job, uh, and then the latter half being uh, in the reserves. And I'm an infantry officer, so the bread and butter of the military is the infantry. And with that, everything we do is about planning and execution and mission success. So it's a great transition over into my role now with GP in terms of being a business consultant, working with companies, helping them to be able to execute their plans and strategies. So where were you stationed in the military? Ooh, let's see, all over. So I was stationed on the West Coast, East Coast, but when I was forward deployed everywhere from the Horn of Africa to the most recently, I was in Afghanistan for the last year. And what was interesting with the correlation with uh, that and this job is that I spent about a year training the Georgian army from the Republic of Georgia and helping them learn how to do military, the U.S. version of military planning for their army. So we spent a year teaching them operations planning, development, mission success, and then taking them to Afghanistan and then actually applying all the things we taught them uh, and then going live with it in country. Wow. Really interesting. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. Now let's get into our topic. So you mentioned that, of course, in the military, planning and execution are extremely important for accomplishing any mission. And the same is true in the business world. So First, what do you see as some of the key challenges that your clients face when it comes to planning and execution? Yeah, a couple of things. I think the first thing is that, of course, everyone wants to have a plan and a strategy. And I think the intent, you know, leading off, it's always there. But what I find the biggest issue with our clients is that maybe in the beginning of the year, they'll start with a plan and maybe they'll even use, you know, a Bain or a McKinsey, someone else to come in and help them with that. But then they put it on the shelf and they never go back to that plan. And then it becomes the day to day, the grind, and it's just firefighting. And then basically whatever happens in the environment, they react to. And then whatever plan that they had, they completely forget. So they might have had this great plan for all these different issues that they foresaw, but they just forget about it. And I think the biggest thing is that they'll put pen to paper, but they won't go into the detail about in that plan of who's supposed to do what, who's responsible. And it's just this great idea on concept that everyone forgets about. So the long and short of it is that because of the environment and the day-to-day and the grind, people just forget and then we react to everything. Instead, if we listen to our plan, we'd be a lot more proactive and we would have foreseen these shortcomings. And instead of being surprised, we've already had those resources in place to deal with that issue. Okay. So you just mentioned that it's because of the day-to-day grind, right? People just got caught up in what's right in front of them. But can you elaborate on that? I mean, why is it these plans get shelved or or just, you know, not really, the the details are not followed? Like, because ostensibly businesses spend a lot of time and money articulating a plan. You'd think they'd have every incentive to really follow through. So why does that happen? Yeah. And I think another part is this, this siloed thought. So we'll come up with plans maybe within our division or our section, but there's a lack of cross-functionality. So you'll see that different groups will be on different sheets of music and they will not collaborate with one another. So marketing might be on, on one set of plans and sales on another, and then we'll get to the end of the year or even the end of the month and we'll be almost become the finger pointing game. 
So I think there's a lot of this siloed thinking, planning. We're in our own box and, and we don't kind of, instead of looking up, we just keep our heads down and we tend to not see the, again, the long term. We just look at the short term and there's this just complete lack, whether it's self-induced or just we don't even notice it. We don't really like to cross talk with our colleagues, especially if they're in different divisions. Yeah. Okay. Right. I mean, anyone who's worked for a medium or large size company can certainly relate to that. I know I can. So what can business leaders learn from how planning and execution works in the military? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is this one third, two thirds rule. And basically what this is, it's the rule that states leaders should spend no more than one third of their time allocated for a mission or project in the planning phase. And then the other two thirds should be devoted to developing the individuals and the teams working with them. So really what that means is that leaders, instead of spending all the time coming up with the perfect plan, they should only spend a portion of the time. And most of the time they should be with their actual subordinates, working with them to develop the plan with them and getting their inputs. So from the top down. So in the military, what I would do is, and even in the corporate world, is if I, you know, from higher, I'm going to get what the numbers are for that year or what my mission is from my higher leadership. And then I'm going to bring in my squad leaders or my division heads, and we're actually going to sit down and plan together. So everyone's on the same page. Everyone knows where we're going, the direction, and we're going to actually work together to get there. And it's not a surprise when I come it down, you know, here's the plan, go with no input or buy-in from my colleagues. So there has to be this more of this openness when it comes to the plan and more people getting bought in from the beginning from all levels of the organization. It shouldn't just come from the top down. Another thing is a good analogy that we like to use with our clients is uh, Kennedy's uh, moon landing speech. So in 1961, the U.S. was actually in a bleak time, if everyone can recall, quick history lesson, Bay of Pigs. The Soviets were actually winning in the space race. And what did uh, Kennedy say? He said, well, by the end of this decade, I'm going to put someone on the moon. Well, NASA and everyone kind of jaws dropped because that was news to them. But Kennedy realized he needed to come up with an inspirational, aspirational, and a time-bound strategy to kind of get America back into the game. And so his basically what his intent was was to restore confidence in the American people. So he set this 10-year strategy, and then from that, NASA came together, everyone came together, and they broke it down. So if you can recall, we had the Gemini, the Mercury programs, and all those missions that we had to hit before we could get on the moon. So again, relating that back to the business world is that we can come up with these plans but we have to bring people in to get there. Now, if Kennedy had just said, we're going to the moon and didn't actually break it down and have NASA get their buy-in, we would have never got to the moon. And again, the long and the short is that we need to be more open and willing to listen to the people around us as leaders and not just assume that what we think is the best idea. Yeah, that's a really great example and, and an interesting example because that idea of putting a man on the moon was probably the most ambitious thing that humanity had ever attempted. And the fact that we actually accomplished it is still, to this day, when you look back, pretty astonishing. And if you know anything about that history, I was recently listening to a podcast about this, is that along the way, you know, the plan sort of changed considerably. It's not like they sat down, mapped everything out, and then just followed every step without any flaws. You know, along the way, facts on the ground might change, or you run into problems that you didn't anticipate. So, and I imagine, and of course, that's the same in the business world, right? You come up with a plan, start implementing it, and you have to sometimes kind of adjust on the fly, which is also not easy, right? So what can business leaders learn from the military about that process, meaning once you start to execute the plan and then run into problems? So the best thing we do in the military is this idea around mission leadership. And actually, it's a concept from Napoleon. Again, quick history lesson is that back before the Napoleonic Wars, how we'd fight military campaigns is basically... The generals had to come up with every decision. So 
if I was the lieutenant or the, you know, the sub leader on the front line, before I made a decision, I had to send word all the way back to the rear and then wait for my response to come all the way back. And by the time that response came back, the battlefield had changed and whatever that information now was useless. So what Napoleon came up with was this idea of mission leadership, where it was basically commander's intent. So he brought in his generals and sub-generals before every mission or battle, and he would give them his left and right lateral limit. So they understood his, and his end state. So they understood what he was looking to accomplish, but he didn't tell them how to do it. So they were able to make decisions at the point of friction without having to go back to anything higher. And the same thing transitioned in modern day military is I will get a mission from my higher up. They'll give me, we'll call it literally the commander's intent. So I'll understand his end state. So at the end of the day, what he wants the battlefield to look like, a left and right lateral limit. So kind of my boundaries to operate in, but then he will give me, it's completely up to me how to execute. And I can make decisions at the point of friction and right away without any hesitation. I think that businesses need to get to that as well. So the best clients that we work with are have that same concept of this mission leadership where, again, they have the idea of the overall plan, but those people on the front line, whether it's sales, marketing, whatever division it is, their leadership has that trust and confidence in them that they're able to make decisions on the fly without having to get permission. So we got to get away from this of almost big brother where I have to check in and get permission you know, to do anything and give more leniency and trust to our uh, subordinates that they're able to execute at the point of friction right away without any hesitation. Right. And, you know, it seems like that kind of speaks back to what you were talking about, silos and communication, and that in a way, this is kind of all about communication. It's, you know, communicating up front, giving subordinates the leeway, empowering them to make decisions maybe on the fly without constantly and always having to consult back with the top leadership to, to keep things rolling, right? Correct. Yeah. Now, in preparation for this episode, you brought up the notion that the success of a business plan or a strategy depends on a company being 100% committed to that plan and ex- execution. Now, of course, it makes sense that you need to be committed, but, but why 100%? Because most companies have a lot of things going on, a lot of plans and strategies that are, they're trying to put in place, and maybe they're not always able to commit 100% to each and every one. So why, in your view, is that a problem? Yeah, I think it's a couple of reasons. One, it's a mindset. So if I don't believe in my plan 100% as a leader, it trickles down too. So if I'm not 100 bought in, that whether I believe it or not, or say it or not, that uh, confidence will ooze out or that lack of confidence will ooze out. And my subordinates will pick up on that. And again, I think companies then sometimes with that come up with too many plans. And then of course, it's almost impossible to do everything perfectly. So companies need to get better at prioritizing as well. their must win battles. And I kind of tie that back into the Kennedy spacebound thing where you come up with a three year, four year strategy right? So you don't have to get everything done that year. And then you break it down per year. Like the Gemini was the first part, or sorry, Mercury was part one, Gemini part two. So I think also companies also need to realize that they can actually look at it from a three to four year perspective, and it doesn't have to be everything now. And that way you can prioritize, what do I need to do in year one to get to my ambition in this third or fourth year? And I think that's another thing companies should get a better job of this long-term planning. And it's almost, you work backwards in the military. So come up with your end state, with where you want to be. And then we break it down from there per year. And that goes back to why it's so important to have that 100% buy-in. Because if you don't, then there's going to be holes in the ship. 
Everything is a mindset. You have to have this 100% belief if you're going to do something. It's like if you look at every major professional athlete, first thing they always say in their autobiographies or biographies is that every day they would show up 100% committed that they're going to be the best in that sport or that field. And they put in the hours to get there. And you never hear anyone say that was the top of their game. Oh, I wasn't 100% bought in that I, w- I would win the World Series or the Super Bowl or whatever it might be. Yeah, that's a great example, right? And, and not only that they put in the work, but that they fully believed themselves to be the best and capable of executing, right? Like all like a LeBron James or a Michael Jordan, right? Like they just had such confidence in their abilities and put in the work to back it up. And that's a pretty unbeatable combination. And I think, too, on that, it's important to remember, though, like I said before, as a leader, whether it was in the military or the corporate world, if I ever had didn't have something or believed in 100 percent, my subordinates would pick up on that, even if I didn't say it. So, again, leaders have to understand that people below them pick up on body language and and the emotions. And as a leader, if you don't 100 percent bought into your own plan, then why would anyone below you have any buy into it? So it starts up top with that one. Mm, okay. And, you know, just to be clear, we were saying just a moment before that it's not as though plans never, ever change, right? Like when confronted with a new reality on the ground, you might have to call an audible, so to speak. So you need to have some flexibility, but that's different than abandoning the core strategy when things get tough, which I think you're saying, no, you have to have confidence in that strategy and see it through, even if some of the details might change. Exactly. Again, you can't run into this where some companies, the first sign of friction or problems, they go back to the drawing board and then you, you know, you're wasting so much time and energy. If you just have the plan in, you have that plan in pace. Like we said, there's going to be issues that come up day to day, but if you have that trust and confidence in the people executing, you'll be able to get over that and keep down that road. Now, I mean, is there a point where despite your best efforts in planning that it is time to abandon the plan? Is there a point where you just see, okay, this is simply not working. And if we continue down this road, it's going to keep not working. So I would say no, because if you do a truly good mission plan up front, you're what not only are you coming up with a plan, but you're also rehearsing that plan. So before you launch your plan for that year, most of our clients will go through with them. We'll actually do a war game. So we'll test their plan. So we'll run through that plan. Any major issue that you could foresee, whether it's competitors, whether it's white space, the economy, we'll pressure test that plan. And any of those big issues that are going to, we'll start to see where the cracks are going to be. So then we can refine the plan to where we need to within, you know, those cracks to make sure that it doesn't fall apart. I think very rarely is it ever a good idea to, you know, get halfway through the year and throw the plan away because it's such a waste of time and energy. However, uh, in some circumstances, you know, where a good one is in pharma, we've seen some recalls. Instead of throwing the plan completely away, they'll kind of just do a pivot to the plan. So they still have that framework there, but instead of you know, within that plan, we might establish a must-win battles for them that year. Well, one of those must-win battles now we'll kind of say no to and then refocus on one of the other areas and kind of double down on that. But we're not restarting from the ground. Okay. So again, adjustment rather than completely starting over from scratch. Correct. Okay. Now, you've also said that success is binary, yep. meaning that you either win or lose, you either succeed or fail, and you don't get a trophy just for trying. So why not? Let's say, what if in executing a plan, you meet most of your goals, but not all of them? Does that mean you've failed, in your opinion? Absolutely. So um, there's a, something we use, we call our high performance teams program, and uh, we call it elite teams. The difference between an elite team and you know an okay team is an elite team, it's 100% mission accomplishment, yes or no. There's no, again, participation, like you said. 
And why that's important, again, it's everything is a mindset, right? And if companies are going to be great, they cannot make any compromises. They have to hit those numbers. There's a reason they came up with that number or that plan. And again, it goes back to the beginning where we did all the planning. We did all the upfront work. There is no reason why we can't get to that number. So if we don't get to that number, it can't be, okay, better luck next year, because then that's going to snowball. If we always are okay with uh, the mediocre or the almost there, then we're never going to be great. We're never going to be, you know, we're never going to grow to the amount that we want to. It's going to be, every year is going to be the same where, you know, actually what I've seen is when companies go down that, that slope is each year they get farther and farther away from their numbers because they've already established in the beginning that it was okay. So the companies that are great will draw that line in the sand and they say, if we do not get to that land, we did not accomplish our year mission. And I don't think you can go the other way. Again, it's, this elite team concept of we're the best, we're going to hit our numbers no matter what. And if we don't, then we didn't do our mission. Where the versus is, you know, high fives, great, we almost got there. That's just going to continue every year and you're never going to grow. Okay. So whether it's the military or a business or any other type of organization, sometimes you're going to fail, right? Despite your best efforts. I don't. There's no such thing as a 100% success rate. So how do you deal with that, sort of labeling it a failure without destroying morale? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question. Because I think the difference, of course, between the military and the civilian world is uh, the language. And we can be a little harsh in ours. But I think it starts in the beginning as a mindset. And, and I know I keep saying that, but culturally, I think what we'll do with teams when we do our lead teams is we get them to all buy into it. So in the beginning of the year, before they go on, on that next year, it's a commitment to the team. And everyone agrees that they're fully committed and they understand if we don't get it, you know, whether you want to call it failed or, or fail or failure or, or not succeeding, but they all have that buy-in. So the best teams we've seen up front become together before they go down that road and they all 100% agree to where they need to be and they understand the consequences and the successes. And I don't think it becomes a morale, a failure in morale because actually they get on one another. You know, they see the end in sight and they push one another to be their best. Uh, it's not one of these things where, you know, they're not really bought in and the end of the year, everyone's being told they're a failure. No, up front, they understand the, the ambition they're about to go on and the journey, and they all agree to it. And then honestly, the, the people that don't, then maybe aren't even me are meant for that team, and you'll see them actually leave that team or move on. Okay, great. So Murphy, what's the main thing you want our listeners to take away from this discussion? Absolutely. I, th I think the main thing is that uh, two things. One is that the importance of a plan, that companies need to come up with plans. But more importantly, when they come up with those plans, it needs to be a buy-in from everyone. Like I said in the beginning, we can't put these plans on shelves. We actually have to check in with these plans. Uh, we need to test them before we launch them so we know exactly the cracks and where we need to double down for that year. And then secondly, I, I think, it, again, it goes back to this whole idea of, of the mindset, the 100% committed to the plan and the delivery. And I think... Uh, what people need to understand is that, of course, you're going to deal with the, the day-to-days, the firefighting, as well as the uncertainty in the environment. But if you have a plan in place and everyone's bought into that plan, those day-to-day -day firefights were already being foreseen and it's kind of just a little speed bump and it's business as usual once we get over it versus the, oh my God, the world's ending. What are we going to do? Because you've already foreseen that. So again, it's having a proper plan, having everyone from the top down, bottom up, bought into that plan and then executing that with a 100% mindset of delivering that plan. Okay, great. Well, Murphy, thank you so much. I think those are some really great and practical insights. So thanks for your time and, and thanks for sharing your thoughts. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. 
The Performance Matters Podcast is brought to you by GP Strategies. Together, we can create a world where business excellence makes possibilities achievable. You can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts and listen on our website at gpstrategies.com slash podcasts.